even like the same stack, but just like a level two and level three can make so much difference. Mm. Yeah, so it really boils down to what the client really wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some really like low floors or mm. with the personal enclosed space because they enjoy gardening mm -hmm. and whether they can afford it as well. Mm. Yeah, so we have to match um, their needs and wants together mm -hmm. with the investment choice. You're listening to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast, the show where personal finance is about the person, not just the numbers. Here on BFF, we talk about how to make money your best friend so that you can have the freedom to make the most out of life. We go through the honest discussions about money so that you don't need to make the same mistakes. We demystify jargon so that no one can smoke you with complicated acronyms. After all, money's greatest value is to give us control over our time, which is truly our greatest asset. I'm your host, Junus Yu. Hi guys, and welcome back to the BFF Podcast. So today we are talking about Singapore's property market in 2023. Where will it go from here? Today we have Antia Soon in the house. Welcome, Antia. Hi, Junus. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. So, so we've known each other from a decade ago. I think mm. it's been a decade since I've met you. Yes. And, you know, you've gone from capital markets looking at doing technical analysis for, for stocks and just looking at charts a whole day and plotting lines to mm. what you're doing now, which is um, Realtor with Hutton. So tell us a little bit about your story before we go into the meat of it. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Anthea and I'm a real estate agent with Hutton's and I'm part of Navis Division. So I have my license for over a year now and after being a stay-at-home mom for a decade, I did accounting previously. I was a former analyst with a capital markets team at a proprietary fund, like what Jonas has said. And mm -hmm. that's where we got acquainted. Mm. So I'm a mom to two girls and currently balancing my time between family, serving in ministry and a realtor. I see my real estate agent role as partnering my clients through their property journey by understanding their housing goals and financial situation and advise them accordingly, ensuring that they are informed and confident. Yeah, I'm always glad to share my personal property journey as well and how the home interiors evolve as the children grow from infancy to toddler to preschool age and beyond. And I enjoy crafting with my girls, decorating my home and of course, Lego. Mm, cool. So today we're really talking about the Singapore property market, right? I also mm -hmm. know that you have a very analytical mind. So, you know, let's let's go into it. So Business Times described 2023 as another year of pain for tenants, right? Where the rents of non-landed private residential properties are expected to increase by, you know, around another 10 to 15% in 2023. Mm -hmm. And URA, which is the Urban Redevelopment Authority, rental index of non-landed properties, that jumped by 29.7% in 2022, building on a 9.9% growth in 2021 and the six drivers of this was one the active hiring by by companies meaning there's more um, demand in the market mm -hmm. the tight supply of homes for rent because of the the stalling of of new um, products um, hybrid work more people working from home return of foreign students rising interest rates and also co-living cool operators so mm -hmm. what's your take I mean on the rental market in 2023 because you you clearly are you know part of this looking at this market and from what we know and also based on the drivers we mentioned earlier it seems that it, it will take more than increased supply to bring the rents down 
Um, in the first quarter of 2023, we saw the rental market actually tap on the bricks slightly as there were fewer viewings and taking a longer time to close compared to last year. Mm. Landlords are asking for higher rents and tenants are struggling to accept declines in rental as well. Mm-hmm. And just like to talk a bit about the co-living space, the trend over the last two years saw phenomenal growth. And that's where, you know, a, a three-bedroom condo convert into a five-bedroom condo by adding partitions mm. to the living and dining spaces. So some landlords welcome such an arrangement as they seek to boost their rental income. Mm. Yeah, and co-living spaces are attractive for young adults and students as they have their own private space and communal space as well, with utilities and Wi-Fi included, and to they get to enjoy the condo facilities versus if they were to rent a room at a HDB. Mm. Yeah, so I received numerous calls and messages from co-living operators asking if my landlords are keen to convert their units. Mm. And with more of such rental units converting to co-living spaces, there is a dip in the supply of entire units on the market. Mm. which can drive rental higher as tenants with families looking to rent entire units have fewer options. And some of the other drivers in the rental market this year would be the implementation of the overseas networks and expertise pass, effective at the start of this year. Mm-hmm. So this pass aims to attract foreign talents to our shores if they fulfill certain criteria without having to secure a job here first. So these passes are valid for five years. Mm. And another driver we would be seeing would be in the uh, luxury home segment driven by high net worth foreigners from Asia who are setting up family offices here. Mm-hmm. So in October last year, we see the mark on Patterson Hill made a record high monthly rental of 100000 and another one clocked this year in February as well. Yeah, so I believe the momentum in the rental market will pick up in the upcoming months on the back of these drivers. Got it. And, and the mark is the one that has like the swimming pool in every, in every unit, right? Because my previous boss actually stayed there. Wow. So they have, a, it's like a little, each unit has its own pool. Pool. Yeah, which yeah. is the maintenance is very high. Yeah, I can imagine. And the, so the monthly, you're saying the monthly rental is 100000 Yes. That is insane. I know, right? I mean, so we're talking about an annual rental 1.2 mm-hmm. mil. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that the monthly rental is 100000 I mean, yeah. how much was it previously? Like, what's the percentage increase? Um, the last highest was 80k mm-hmm. last year. Mm. Yeah. So while it's not record high on per square foot basis... Mm. But it's record high on absolute value. Mm. Yeah, so that's pretty crazy. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I had my own experience where my tenant, mm-hmm. who was leasing the, the property for, let's say, the last year, mm-hmm. he wrote in to me, pinged me on WhatsApp and said like, hey, you know, I want to rent this place for another two years. Mm-hmm. And he like immediately offered me like 25% high off the bat. I didn't even ask for anything. <laughs> He just wanted to make sure that he, you know, has a place to stay before you kick him up. And and given that we're talking about the buyer-seller market, how has that market looked in the last few months given the property cooling measures? And what should buyers and sellers be looking out for? Yeah, so on Valentine's Day this year, the government issued a love note to raise by stamp duty BSD on higher value properties effective the following day. So this move only affects properties um, above 1.5 mil mm-hmm. and the portion of the value of the property in excess of 1.5 mil and up to 3 million will be taxed at 5% while debt in excess of 3 million will be taxed at 6% up from mm. the previous rate of 4%. So looking on the 
Q1 flash estimates from URA, the Private Residential Property Price Index, PPI, mm-hmm. increased 3.2% Q1Q, although sale transaction volume fell by 8%. So the PPI is still continuing that upward trend. Mm. And if we look at Tembusu Grand, which is a new launch project in District 15, mm-hmm. it sold over 50% of its 638 units on the first weekend of sales at average price of 2465 per square foot. Mm. So, And 90% of the buyers are Singaporeans. So we're still seeing genuine buyers on the ground who are after really good projects mm. and at really um, fantastic locations. And how does the, for example, the current like mortgage rates tie into that? I mean, the interest rates are high right now, mm. but we are do seeing rates tapering down hopefully by next year. Mm-hmm. Most of the buyers are, of course, still cautious. Mm. But if they look at um, how property prices may be like for new launches especially, mm-hmm. Land prices have been in an upward trend as well. Mm. So if they are after new projects, mm. um, they will want to buy earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to beat that, you know, high price and inflations on construction costs and land costs. Got it. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about the the demand for new launches. Uh, well, we are seeing many new launches across all regions this year in the core central area, RCR and OCR this year. What's RCR and OCR? Okay, uh, rest and O stands for outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so core would be like the CBD area, mm. the Orchard Road, mm. the Bukitima. Mm. Then the rest would be the fringes, city fringes. And mm. outside would be like slightly more ulu parts, but it's actually getting a little bit more vibrant now because of all the heartland malls and all the um, developments that the government is implementing. Mm. We have like even... Pongo, mm. which is in the OCR, but I wanted to talk, I wanted to ask like where does Pongo fall under because because it is kind of really out there, mm-hmm. but because of how the government has allocated, yes, like, you know, where right. the new families, there's mm. actually a lot of development that's happening there. Yes. And because there's a lot of young families, you that's go there, right. you know, shopping malls, just full of tuition centers, that kind yes. of thing, food. Yes, even the HDBs, the private condos, they are selling. Mm. And there's also the new Pongo Digital District as well, mm-hmm. which is up and coming. Mm. So the government is developing a lot of areas out in the OCR areas mm. to bring people into the areas mm. so that, you know, throughout the whole Singapore, everyone is not like, you know, uh, everyone will be congregated in a certain area. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So I think in terms of planning, this is really good planning. Yeah, yeah, because what we've seen is that, you know, CBD as we used to know it before is that Raffles Place, the Shenton Way area, mm-hmm. right? But there's all these hubs now, like One North itself is like mm-hmm. a little business district. Paileba is another one, yes. right? So so I guess One North and Paileba are close, I guess, RCR. Mm. But um, definitely, I think the rentals in these places, as long as it's near workspaces, have gone exactly, up as well. Exactly, yeah. So as long as near workspaces, near MRTs, mm. near good schools as well. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah. How much premium are we talking about if it's like near a good school? Uh, it really depends. Maybe 10, 20%. Well, it's also about rentability as well. How mm-hmm. fast um, the rental can close. Mm. Yeah. So it's not just about the amount, but the rentability. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we talk about both use and rentability at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Got it. So we often see like YouTube pre-roll ads talking about, you know, the different kinds of property and what which make actually better investments. So one of the <laughs> pre-roll ads that I see it is like 2B2B versus 2B1B. 
or new versus resale. So what's your take on it and what does the data actually show? Yes, some are truly informative and very entertaining <laughs> and tell a very compelling story. But I'm always very cautious because you can choose data sets and weave that to a story you want to pitch. Mm. Yeah, so yes. these are great conversation starter topics. And one common question I get from clients as well is, which is better, freehold mm-hmm. or leasehold? Yep. Yeah, and my approach to such topics is always to lay out all the facts, Yeah, with data, backed up by data, of course, and the pros and the cons of each um, option, and evaluate together with the client's housing goals and financial situation. Mm-hmm. Because every client is unique, and so is each property and development. Uh, so there's no one-size-fits-all, and I'll present to my clients what's their available options and what's most suitable for them through the property wealth planning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's say, for example, okay, example, uh, mm. fiction. So I claim based on my research that a 2B, 1B is a superior investment choice over 2B, 2B. And we have identified a new launch project with great potential based on location and close proximity to the MRT. Mm. However, the 2B, 1B stack is less desirable compared to the 2B, 2B stack Mm. as it is west-facing and along the main road. Mm -hmm. So the 2B, 2B stack has a landed unblocked view. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the example of the heterogeneity of the 2B2B stack actually presents itself as a better option. Mm. Yeah. So it's really on a case-by-case case basis, yes. depending on the project, depending yes. on like, you know, the, the environmental things like noise factors, yes. sun, like how much sun is like fl- flowing know. into the room. Even like the same stack, but just like a level 2 and level 3 can make so much difference. Mm. Yeah, so it really boils down to what the client really wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some really like low floors or mm. with the personal enclosed space because they enjoy gardening. Mm-hmm. Some people really hate low floors. They like high rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it really depends on what your client really wants and whether they can afford it as well. Mm. Yeah, so we have to match um, their needs and wants together mm. with the investment choice. Mm. Yeah. So how about if somebody looking at, let's say, going back to the example you're talking about, second or third floor, but they are looking at that property from a rental perspective mm-hmm. and they wouldn't know beforehand if their future tenants are going to mm-hmm. enjoy gardening or not. Yeah. So what are the things, what are the factors that they will look at in that case? Price. Mm, yeah, because sometimes it's also at lower floor. Mm-hmm. Usually, it will be at a lower price. Mm. So sometimes you may be higher yes. in the end. So it really depends on the price, mm. yeah, and the timing. Because if we go in during ballot time, as that's why getting a good ballot number is really important. Mm. So at the beginning, usually the price will be more attractive, and as it sells out more, then it gets more expensive. Mm. Yeah, so it really depends on the price and how much the client is willing to pay to match it up. So you mentioned getting a good ballot number. Mm -hmm. What does that entail? Okay, so during uh, a new launch, so during preview period, um, if we lock in on in the buyers lock in their interest, they mm. will get a ballot number during booking day. Mm. So during booking day, they will start um, buying based on their ballot number. Mm. So the lower your ballot number, you can choose your choice units. The earlier on you yes. are. And that's a function of what? How do you get like number one versus number 99? It's just um, 
through ballot. Yeah, mm. by luck. So it's by, purely by luck. Yes, purely by and luck. Then how does one ensure that they get a ballot number if it's by luck? Oh, you definitely can get a ballot number mm. if you indicate your interest mm-hmm. uh, during preview by uh, putting in um, a check. Mm. Yeah. So if in the event that you don't wish to purchase during booking day, mm. uh, you don't have to pay anything. Mm. We'll, we'll just give you back the blank check and yeah, as if nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the rest is up to their own luck. Yes. One versus 99. Do people actually exchange numbers? No, you can't. You can't? You can't. Because when you lock in your interest, mm. you have to put down all your particulars. And it's tied to, it's tied to your identity, basically. Yes, mm. yes. So, yeah. So, I'll throw you another question. Mm. Let's talk about freehold versus leasehold. Mm. Uh, you did mention that, you know, it really depends on the client's investment appetite, their ability to pay. Mm. Um, but, Overall, how would you compare this to? Like, would there be a preference for one over the other? I mean, in general, most people would prefer freehold over mm-hmm. leasehold. Mm. Quite a no-brainer mm-hmm. because of its legacy. Mm. And basically right now, there's no more um, freehold land that the government is selling anymore. Mm-hmm. So developers who would like to sell a freehold development, they would have to do an on-block. Mm. In that case, for legacy-wise most people would definitely want a freehold. Mm-hmm. But then it comes to price. Yeah, so how much premium are we looking at on average? Well, it really depends on the location as mm. well. And there are also charts that actually shows that, you know, the premium, the price gap between mm. freehold and leasehold is mm-hmm. narrowing. Mm. Yeah, so that's quite interesting as well. It's narrowing which way? Like uh, leasehold is trending up upwards towards, upwards yeah. towards, towards freehold. Um, freehold price. Interesting. Yes. But that's a general, like, it's a general narrowing price mm, gap. Mm. But if you were to look at projects, specific projects, then mm-hmm. you can tell differences. Mm. So, yeah, we can see the broad picture, you know, yeah, freehold is better than leasehold. Yes, it's narrowing gap. Mm. But when it comes down to looking at the specific projects, mm-hmm. then we really have to dive into the numbers and mm. uh, calculate the affordability as well and how much is going at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that narrowing, um, is it cyclical? I think because for leasehold projects, usually towards um, a certain number of years, we will see that there will be lease decay. Mm. So as more of the developments age, we may see that widening again. Mm. So it really depends on the timing yep. where how many projects of leasehold properties are on the market at that time. Mm. Yeah. So mm. yeah, we can see the big picture, like I said. <laughs> Right. But if you look at specific projects, then you really have to dive into the individual numbers to see um, if it's a 99-year leasehold project, how many years are left remaining yes. and if it's still a good buy. Mm. Yeah. Mm, got it. So, so in a nutshell, it really depends on the project. Yes. Um, and your affordability. And your own individual circumstances. Yes. That's right. Got it. So that was useful. Um, for listeners who want to find out more about the work that you do, um, where can they find you? Uh, you can reach out to me at my IG handle, until uh, underscore soon, my LinkedIn or my website, which is still like a bit of work in progress, mm-hmm. at yourwaymakerrealtor.com. Yes. Cool. Thank you so much, Andy, for being on and really appreciated the insights that you provided. Thank you, Junas, for having me. It was real fun. Thank you. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. 
If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcasts at melisten.sg or at my Instagram at misfitfi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on Me Listen or Apple Podcasts or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from Mediacorp and recorded at Skate Live Studios, The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu, with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junus Yu. Until the next time. <laughs>